Welcome to the Mac Emerge Podcast. My name is Teresa Chan, and with me I have Kevin Dom, Brendan Trotter, and Joanna Dida, and we'll be your podcast team. Our goal is to connect all the McMaster affiliated emergency physicians so we all get to know each other a little better. We have so much great talent and expertise in this region. We want to highlight it into one regional podcast. Each podcast features one invited guest to speak about their expertise or interests. Additionally, we will feature external speakers who have delivered regional rounds at one of our teaching sites. And don't forget about the residents. We'll be featuring stories about our residents and what they've been up to as well. All right, are you ready? Let's get started with this month's episode. Hello, everyone. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode as we are putting this together over the holidays and we're taking a bit of a breather after a very long year. First up, we have Teresa Chan and Aleem Naji talking about uh, some of the innovative changes that have happened with clerkship education over COVID times. And then Lauren and Ben come to us with their third installment of CARMS tips for some of the medical students out there that are applying this year. So sit back and enjoy, and we'll see you again in the new year. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching That Counts. I'm here with Aleem Naji, who is usually just my co-host, but today I'm going to put him in the hot seat. So Aleem, say hi to everyone. Hey, everybody. How are y'all doing? Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully everyone's doing well and that the season of many different infectious diseases floating around is uh, keeping you well. But in light of all of the pandemics and uh, the changes in our health systems, uh, there's been some major educational changes that have happened. Aleem, definitely you have been a trooper and uh, an amazing leader during this time because basically you started as cook director and then the pandemic hit. So kudos to you for <laughs> a lot of really interesting work. Um, but that brings us to kind of the reason why we're having the conversation today, because there's been huge changes in the clerkship curriculum. And I thought maybe we should spend some time talking about the new way that we're doing some of the clerkship. And some of it is probably not that new uh, in that some of our clerks are still showing up at shifts and, you know, we do our usual thing and we've got lots of other different episodes about that. But the non-clinical parts of the rotation, such as the teaching week and other things have actually had to change quite a bit because of the way that clerkship was rescheduled and restructured, but also because I think the changing times would mean that we should probably social distance and not have in-person experiences when we don't need to. And so, Aleem, can you tell us a little bit about some of the new things that you've put into the clerkship because of all of these changes? Yeah, so I mean, that was really a curveball that wasn't on the uh, the application that you'll <laughs> that you'll have to survive uh, teaching clerkship during a, a pandemic. But it's been a real opportunity, and and kudos to uh, to the faculty so far who've been amazing at stepping up and really have jumped in with a ton of enthusiasm and energy, and are constantly sending me great ideas and feedback for how to make this better. So. Our beloved teaching week has been modified um, and for temporarily has kind of been put on hold as an actual discrete week. So as many of you know, our clerks went through this virtual learning uh, curriculum, the VLC, for 11 weeks where they were off in that heart of the pandemic in March. And so during that time, they basically had a bunch of asynchronous modules that they had to go through. They had virtual lectures, um, they had virtual simulation, and that was kind of their core teaching foundation for this group of uh, clerks. And then what actually happens in the eMERGE rotation now? So it's still a four week rotation and still will be a four week rotation moving forward. They're still doing clinical shifts like Teresa pointed out, but there's some new teaching that happens there. So I wanted to break that down a little bit. 
So now what happens is that instead of a teaching week, there's a bunch of asynchronous teaching content. So what that means is that there's a bunch of content that's available to the learners that they can review on their own time. Some of that is the lectures from before where they can work through cases and things like that. But I want to talk about some of the innovations that are there, and one of which is the Slack cases. So for those of you who don't know what Slack is, I think most of us are already using it between um, most of the hospital groups uh, and a lot of the uh, uh, Emerge uh, community, virtual communities of practice, but it's an app that was uh, that basically is kind of like a WhatsApp version or Teams or, or like Google Hangouts that allows you to kind of share files um, and have, a, have conversations. And so what happens is that the learners actually go through medical cases using this platform. And so every, uh, every week that they're doing this, three times a week, there'll be new prompts. Think of it like clues in a choose your own adventure. Get dropped and then the clerks have to log on, give their input, say what they would do in this scenario. And we have excellent faculty and residents who chime in with clinical pearls, pushing and probing the students to go in the right direction. And the idea is that the students are then generating their responses to this. Think of it like the interaction you have with the learner when you're on shift and you've just, you're reviewing a case and you're kind of pushing them to get at what their thought process is. So let's say you see a, a person with, let's say CHF, okay? And you're starting to ask, okay, what's your approach to a patient with CHF? What sort of questions would you ask them? Walk me through your ABC assessment, okay? And then you move forward and you say, here's the x-ray. Let's interpret the x-ray. Let's look at the labs. Let's talk about the management. So it mirrors that natural journey that we have. So for those faculty who are hesitant to get involved with Slack, the barrier is actually not that high. Just think about it like what you would say to a clerk after reviewing a case. And the nice thing is that with the asynchronous piece is you can log on once a day, a couple of times a day at your own convenience from your cell phone, from your computer, and you can kind of chime in and, and be part of that conversation. So that's the first innovation that really is trying to get clerks to have a lot more face time with faculty and residents to give them an opportunity to ask any questions that come up on their rotation. Um, and what's also great about it is it also brings together all our distributed and community uh, practice so all our clerks who are out in the different MacCare sites or who are out in KW or in Niagara, they're all participating and getting the same teaching and the same interaction with all our different faculty. Yeah, and it's just really exciting to interact with faculty from the other campuses as well. Um, I think I've seen their name and emails or I knew uh, their friend of a friend or something like that. But I think it's been really cool to bring uh, a whole community of educators together and, and actually the residents too. So the residents have been involved in some of this teaching as well. And I think that it really helps us foster a community of Emerge Med educators, which I think is pretty awesome. And yes, I did make fun of one of our colleagues when he was like, is this, you know, did I post at the right spot? I'm like, no, this is the faculty channel. And you know, then I gave him an explanation. He's like, oh, ouch. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. I just was trying to be helpful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think that that's the cool thing is that like some people are even talking about, you know, what movie trailers we should watch in the Ask Me Anything channel or, you know, getting, you know, tripping a little bit at Aline Pardon, who's one of our program directors to comment on The Mandalorian season two. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's more than just educational delivery. I think it's actually fostering a community um, so that our learners can actually understand that that's a big part of what we are is, uh, is a community of practice around emergency medicine too and other parts of life. So I think it's a great way to role model and, and occasionally you even get career advice uh, queries. And I think that that's, uh, that's a great way to do that longitudinal mentorship as well. And for those of you who love the meme game, this is where you can drop it, especially a uh, shout out to Alex Hart, who's been <laughs> on point with his memes and uh, philosophical questions like, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs>
Exactly. And I think that having um, that part of who we are um, in some way so that it's not always just doom and gloom and PPE that we have to talk about, but rather um, I think that we can have those lighter moments and role model them that that's the spirit of who we are as a specialty. So I think that it's important, even if people don't want to become an emergency physician or don't see themselves being part of our community in the long run, that they understand that's, you know, kind of who we are and that they've had an experience and a peek under the hood to understand what it is that we we do, right? So I think that that's a really important reason why a lot of our learners cycle through emergency medicine, both as a clerk and then again as a junior resident a lot of the time is that understanding the system of care that we've created and how we can respond to different things and how we have limitations on what we can do is really important. Yeah, the next innovation that we have is, um, so our clinical decision rule uh, presentations, those have gone online now, and we're really encouraging learners to interact with the content um, that's out, out there through free open access medicine. And so the learners are now creating their own blogs, podcasts, um, they're creating their own infographics and vlogs, and those are actually being shared with the broader faculty through the new website, through um, the uh, faculty development page and so we'll have a link to that as well um, where we're highlighting some of the really great examples of this um, for us to use as clinicians at the bedside and so this is a way for us to encourage the clerks to understand and learn how to audit the gray literature um, and look at uh, some of the online free content and, and I really ask the question of you know, is this something that I can use in my practice and learning to audit um, and evaluate uh, clinical decision rules to see if they're, they're fit for practice as well. So what do you do as a faculty member? It's super easy. You basically sign up for this slot and we grab a quick Zoom call. You read through the different submissions and you get to be like the judge at the Oscars where you get to um, uh, give the learners feedback, uh, constructive feedback for how they could improve, uh, give them kudos for the hard work that they've done. And then at the end, we crown a winner and the winner gets highlighted both on the Med Portal page. Um, we've highlighted winners before on the Mac Emerge podcast um, and then also on the, on the CDR blog. So uh, it, it's pretty fun. It's usually a good time. Um, and it's a very, uh, very easy commitment from the faculty for perspective. Oh yeah. That sounds so much fun. Like you're basically getting to, um, see some of the great work that the clerks have put together and bask in their ingenuity and maybe, maybe find out about a new tool that you can use to teach other clerks. So I think it's a win-win, right? So obviously it's, it's uh, not too hard. We have a rubric and everything like that. So you just have to read through it and the, the rubric's pretty easy to use. So I don't think it's, it's too hard. So um, I think it's a really cool way to kind of see what the clerks have been up to. And they're, they're so good at this stuff. Like they, they have this intuitive sense of how to get it right, um, which I think is really pretty marvelous. And it's also a group work activity. So it's, it, you don't have to do that many because each clerkship group probably does what, three or four people in a group kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Um, awesome. And what else do you have on the mix? So uh, the Code Blue review is uh, a really popular session on Friday morning. Um, so we have like the last day uh, dedicated to teaching. Uh, so this is uh, from the hard work of the St. Joe's guys, um, Eric and uh, Mike Ha and Greg and uh, Brendan Trotter um, and uh, one of our med students, Monica Billick, who uh, actually came up with this uh, video that uh, narrates um, uh, an intubation in COVID times. And as uh, you all know, the clerks are not participating in anything that's aerosol generating, um, so no intubations. Um, and so they're, they're losing that experience of how to manage these COVID patients. And so the Code Blue review basically is a facilitated simulated video discussion where we go through the video together and then walk them through how a protected intubation is different than a regular intubation. 
And so it's in small groups. It's a great conversation. Again, really easy for faculty to participate in. There's already a debriefing guide that's included. You watch the video together. There's already scripted pause points for you to, to uh, have prompts to the students. And then here's where you get to share your experience working in the era of COVID. And we often get into some fascinating discussions around PPE use and teams and communication. Um, and it's a really great uh, primer for students who at some point in the future may end up caring for these patients, especially if the pandemic goes on longer um, and crosses into their residency training or even beyond. So the Code Blue Review is um, a great way for us to really reflect on our own practices teams. And there's been some great discussion from different shops and how they've approached uh, the pandemic uh, from a crisis response side of things. Okay, that's very cool. And then something about a virtual resource room. Oh yeah, this is one yeah. of our most uh, most popular segments. So credit goes out to uh, Sarah Fuhi and uh, and yourself, Teresa, uh, for for bringing this platform to to Mac Emerge. Um, Sarah is one of our uh, Mac uh, alumni. Um, and has come up with this simple, elegant solution to how do you do simulation virtually. And I'd highly encourage any of you who are involved in simulation at your sites who are looking and scratching your head saying, how do we actually train people virtually to check out this, uh, this resource, virtualresourceroom.com. It's so simple and easy to use. It's basically a Zoom call like um, uh, you're all super familiar with by now and a Google Slides platform that allow you to really pull out the elements of crisis resource management that we want to see from simulation. So the clerks go through a couple of cases uh, from a cardiac nature. So this replaces our cardiac workshop that we used to have uh, and builds on the virtual simulation they had in their virtual longitudinal curriculum. This is a two-hour block of time as a facilitator. It is a ton of fun. For those of you who have even an inkling of interest in simulation who are looking for more debriefing experience, this is a great way for you to practice. For those of you who are interested in virtual media, this is, I think, the future of a lot of medical education. Um, so this one is a, a ton of fun, usually paired up with a couple faculty, some residents, and then a small group of uh, anywhere from four to four to six clerks. And you basically run cardiac cases. Again, for faculty, super easy to participate in. I guarantee you know the answers to the cases. Uh, so it's really sharing your clinical pearls and, and walking them through. There's even a debriefer guide as well included. And, uh, and the resource is a ton of fun to use. It does have a little bit of learning and tech. So the first time you do it, obviously, Aline will do his best to pair you up with someone that's been there before. And that helps a lot. And then after you've done a couple of them that way, again, just like anything else, you kind of you kind of get the gist of it. And then you can kind of lead the discussion and things like that. So um, I, I do think that this is a really cool teaching opportunity. And it's also a way to if you are looking for some feedback about your debriefing skills, um, to up your game as an educator, it's a great way to do team teaching, because a lot of the time we don't want each other teach and whereas I think that because of the way there's someone usually writing the tech and then someone doing the debriefing you actually get to watch the debriefer and the facilitator and you go back and forth and and I think that's really cool I mean obviously we have a similar experience with postgrad in that we have sim cases and things like that but I do know they're also using VRR over in PEDS Emerge as well as an, another um platform to add to the library of things that they can do and so I think it's really really exciting time if you're interested in seeing how tech can fold into some of the emergency medicine education that we've been doing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think when I think of my own journey as a sim educator, like it's so fun to watch someone else debrief because you pick up like those little phrases or how they kind of approach things. And so I think that's been really valuable. And it's just like, 
a nice way to get to know other colleagues around the region as well, because you work together on a case and even virtually you're kind of meeting. And uh, we, we do the toilet paper CPR thing where you got the two rolls of toilet paper in the mason jar. And, and so the students get super into it and we get some really, really great feedback from it that um, they're having an amazing experience with that. So I would say that's one of our more fun, hands-on. Uh, if you enjoyed doing the workshops in the past, like the airway workshop or the cardiac workshop, this is the one for you to sign up for, for sure. Uh, it's definitely one of our most popular sections. Very, very cool. Is there anything else? You've done so many cool things. I think that's all the ones that I'm aware of, but you probably have stuff off of your sleeve. There's the last one, which is the AMA session, which is for those of you who are Reddit fans, uh, this is the (laughs) ask me anything. This is the wild, wild west. They could ask you any question. And uh, I know the the faculty who've done it in the past have had a ton of fun with this uh, from topics for as far as uh, Harry Potter to to politics, to lifestyle and uh, emergency medicine, to specific medical cases. This one is just really a chance to chat with the students. Um, They come forward with some amazing ideas. You know, depending on the time of year, there's either tons of questions around CARMS or no questions around CARMS if you get the post to match uh, group. Um, and so it's just a ton of fun. It's, it's really designed as a kind of final review where students have that free space to ask anything they haven't asked already on the Slack or, or been able to mm-hmm. ask on their clinical teaching. And oftentimes you'll get lots of questions about your own journey. And so this one is the most low stakes of all of them because it's basically come on, answer the students' questions and just have a fun time. So I think yeah, it's, you're like a celebrity to them. You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the Reddit AMAs, right? You just have yeah. to prove that you're truly the person and then you get to have a good conversation with a bunch of people who are interested in finding out more. And I think that that's where some of the students sometimes bring you some of the interesting kind of dilemmas they might have heard of or that they've maybe seen or encountered. And it's a great way to debrief some of that stuff. So especially those of you who are expert debriefers, this is a natural progression to the kind of work that you might want to do. But again, you can feel like a little intimidated to go in cold, but you can always kind of drop some hints as to what you want to talk about, right? Just like, you know, when you ask at the beginning of a shift, the, the students, what their objectives are, sometimes you get crickets and then you can like bring, hey, let's talk about this then. And uh, I think that you don't have to feel like it's 100% driven only by them. You, you do have some agency and some choice uh, in where you want to lead the discussion and pivot like a, a politician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do the classic. I like your question, but I'm actually going to respond to a completely different one. Exactly, <laughs> Come back exactly. to that later. You know how it is. <laughs> But that being said, I think that like this is an exciting time for ClickTrip. It is a vastly different thing. But if you know how to use Zoom, basically, you can do one of the AMA sessions. It's it's not hard to get online to participate. And we really want to encourage people from all over the region to get involved. So if you're at a Mac care site and you don't get a lot of learners, that's still okay. This might be the way that you can contribute and get to know people and tell us what it's like to be a doc in Hagersville or, or Oakville, um, because we might not know. And, and I think that this is a great way for us to connect as a community too. So if you're someone that, uh, you know, doesn't have to do a lot of teaching, but just is interested in checking it out, definitely check us out and we'll be excited to have you and host you. So definitely come out and be a part of our community. And there's tons of opportunities to get involved in clerkship. If you have ideas, if you have suggestions, if you have feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, like we're kind of pointing out in this uh, in this review of our, our innovations, these are all kind of suggestions from faculty, from learners that have kind of come forward with some ideas of how we can do this. And so if there's something you're seeing where you're like, I think we can do this better, differently, you have a great idea, you want to be part of the team and, and help grow clerkship in, in our region, then just please feel free to reach out. There's lots of uh, opportunities to get involved and we'd love your feedback and support. To all our faculty who already do such fantastic teaching at the bedside, on Zoom, virtually and in person, uh, thanks so much for your support and, uh, and stay safe out there and, and keep doing the hard work.
Awesome. Okay. Well, with that final note, we will say goodbye and uh, have a great day. Hey, everyone. Lauren and Ben here, back for a quick Carms Corner update for January 2021. Before we get into our key pointers for this month, we definitely recommend that anyone interested in applying to Mac Emerge take a listen to the December 2020 episode. In that episode, our program directors, the wonderful Aline Pardon and Kelly Van Diepen, go over why they love Mac Emerge and what Mac Emerge and Hamilton can offer to you as a resident. Some very excellent listening. But now that we're in 2021 and that CARM's application deadline is approaching really quickly, we thought that we'd touch on another topic for you. We know that you've been working really hard on those personal letters and tidying up your CV. So now we're going to give you the tips to get the most out of your reference letters and set your referees up for success. First things first, we'd recommend you know what reference letters you're going to need for each program. Go through those program descriptions, I know, another time. It's really important to double check you have the right letters for the right programs. How many letters do you need from Emerge Docs? Can you do letters from non-clinical preceptors, such as research supervisors? In previous years, some programs have even allowed for up to five reference letters, which might require different planning for different candidates. Once you know what letters you need, please be sure to get in contact with your referees. They may be writing multiple letters for different medical students, so letting them know early will give them a wonderful buffer to get those letters spick and span. Even Emerge Docs like a good heads up. Now, after I confirmed the staff was able to write me a letter, I found it was important to provide my referee with four things. One, What are they writing this letter for? Some of your referees might be writing a general letter just for residency in general, including your application to emerge as well as other specialties. Or do you want this letter to be specifically for emergency medicine? You should specify that when you talk to your referee. Two, it's important to let your referee know who you are. Here, I would recommend sending your curriculum vitae, even if you haven't done your final CARMS edits. This is going to provide some more context to their clinical experiences with you. Third, I think it's really important to highlight your experiences together with that staff. On your shifts with that staff, try to think back to cases you had and how you diagnosed, managed, and assessed those patients. Were you involved with the resuscitation? It might be important to highlight stuff like that. It might be beneficial to even go through the CANMEDS roles and see if there are any cases that highlight the skills in any of those important domains. Our staff have worked so many shifts and seen so many patients. By jogging their memory, we can give them the opportunity to write a more vivid story. And while we're on the topic of refreshing someone's memory, I also like to include my CARMS headshot photo. Now, I don't typically attach a high-definition photo of my face to most emails, but like Ben mentioned, preceptors are working with hundreds of students each year, and being able to put a face with a name is always going to be helpful. And last but not least, be sure to set a date for when the letters are actually due. Deadlines get away from all of us, and multiple letters can be really tricky to keep track of. 
You can even consider sending a quick reminder closer to the date if that might be helpful. So those are our big tips for getting an excellent reference letter for CARMS. Focus on who you are, what you did together with your preceptor, and a brief reminder about the submission deadline. Hopefully these tips can help you out in your ongoing CARMS endeavors. One last thing before we leave you, try to reach out to some residents at different programs that you're interested in. Now, of course, in non-pandemic years, this would have been a lot easier to do on elective, or maybe you're able to pop in for an academic half day if you lived near another program. Now, however, these meetings, as in interviews, are going to have to be virtual. As a nice place to start, I would definitely check out the various program town halls that have been put on by the different universities. Following the Cape Student Twitter account will give you links to all of the larger online events that have been going on across the country. And I know the programs have been working really hard to make sure all of their info gets to all of the applicants. It's also key to reach out to residents at sites you're going to be applying to. I love doing this as a medical student to get a sense of the program's culture and ask any final burning questions I had before submitting my CARMS app. The residents I chatted with were always honest about their programs and want to make sure you find the right fit. So it's great to take advantage of their insight. Reaching out to the residents pre-CARM submission and pre-interviews will also help you to make some connections and hopefully help you recognize some familiar faces for when interview day comes. It also helps the program get to know you before they go through your application. And of course, that is always an open invite from Lauren and myself. If any prospective medical students have any questions about Mac Emerge, you can always reach out to us. Absolutely. And now that is all for CARMS Corner for today, folks. On our next episode, we're going to be discussing how to interview prep like a star. Hint, practice, practice, practice. All the best and stay safe. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mac Emerge Podcast. We hope that this brings you new information and helps you up your game so you can deliver better patient care to our region. Remember, we are always looking for new talent and expertise to feature in our podcast. So if you're interested, please feel free to contact us at our email at macemergepodcast at gmail.com. We're also looking to improve your experience, so please submit your feedback as well. Again, thanks for listening. Let's all stay connected. Back emerge out.